So I don't know about you, uh, one of my weaknesses are donuts. Anybody have a weakness for donuts? Anybody? Uh, just a, a quick uh, test. I, I love donuts. Uh, quick test. Uh, best donut in North County. Okay. So we, we've had some people online. We've been having this dialogue. Uh, who says Old Town? Best donuts in North County? Okay. You're wrong, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I have not had a donut in like four months, and uh, I needed to use this as an excuse to uh, eat a donut, and so I'm going to be feeling this afterwards. Uh, who says Tony's? Tony's? Any Tony fans? Okay, a few people. Uh, I think the best donut is Kelly's Donuts. Anybody been to Kelly's Donuts on Lindbergh? Yeah, a few families. Oh, we love this. They give us... Uh, anybody had Kelly's? Anybody want a Kelly's Donut? Alan will take a Kelly's. I know Tim will take a Kelly's. See, because I can talk about... Yeah, and he, where are my kids at? Yeah, my students, yeah, see, this is middle school boys, you don't even have to, uh, to wait, okay, okay, and then, yeah, 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 oh, I bit off, here, hold on, time out, I am going to rip off a part, you're right, yeah, there you go, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you, see, here's the thing, I could tell you, right, I mean, I could tell you how great these donuts are. I could tell you, but until you taste it for yourself, right? Like, because here's the deal. My my family, I haven't talked much about this. Um, My family kind of made some health decisions, and we've been um, eating kind of a vegan diet for about four months. And I had been dreading these last couple days. I had not been looking forward to Thanksgiving um, because I knew, right? I, I knew the amount of food that would be put in front of me and the turkey, Right? I can get by with a lot of things, but, but the turkey, like to taste the turkey. And so we had a tofu turkey um, that, my, that my family ate. And it was okay, right? It was all right, but, but it wasn't the, the turkey. And then you see posts, right? More than any other time, like you, people take pictures of their food at Thanksgiving, right? And they, they post it and you, you see it, but until you taste it, Right? Until you taste it for yourself. I don't know if you have a restaurant, if you have a place. Maybe you've gone and you've eaten there. And your thought is, man, I have to tell everyone about this restaurant. And not only do I have to tell them, but, but, but what we often say is you have to taste it for yourself. Right? You have to taste this for yourself. You can't just take my word for it. It's interesting. There's a, a scripture in Psalms 34, 8. It says this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So where, where are we at? So we're in week six of this series for the life of the world. Some of you have been here and some of you have missed it. I just want to give you a super quick uh, rundown. God's people were once again turning their hearts and their minds and their lives to other things. They had forgotten God. God had come through for them over and over and over again. But once again, they're they're choosing to go down a different path. So they they, they get sent into exile. They get sent into a foreign land. And they become captives in Babylon. They're not happy about it. And this captivity is going to last for about 70 years and as they go into captivity, they're told some things to do. And if you can, if you can run this through your mind, uh, they're not happy to be there. And now they're going to be told some certain things. They're going to be told to build houses and settle down. 
Like if you're, if you're thinking like, this is going to be quick. I'm ready to go home. I'm not going to build a house. And they're told, no, no, this is your new home. This is where you're going to be. You're going to plant gardens. You're going to work the ground and it's going to produce something and you're going to eat what it produces. And then I want you to find wives and I want you to have kids and I want your kids to, to find spouses and I want them to have kids that, that you're going to increase, not decrease here. You're not just going to hold on and survive, but you're going to benefit those around you. And then it says, you're going to seek the peace and the prosperity to where I've sent you. That you're actually going to pray for it. I, I, I know that they've held you captive. You're in a place that you don't want to be. But, but actually, if they experience peace, if they find prosperity because of you, then you will experience it as well. You will find peace in the midst of this. And so it's very clear instructions for them. And I think this is kind of where we find ourselves today. For many of us, we, we feel like this isn't our home. Like if you're a follower of Jesus and you experience pain and heartache and, and things are difficult, for many of us, we think, man, I just, heaven seems great. I just want to hold on until I get there. But I think that God has us in a position he has for a purpose and a reason. That, that our lives aren't just for ourselves. That they actually are to benefit other people. And so we've talked about this logistically. What, what does this look like as families? What, what does this look like with your job, with whatever you produce with your hands? We talked about in seeking justice, putting things back in the order that God has wanted them to be in. And then last week we talked about all the knowledge we have about God, everything that we, we feel like God is telling us to do, how we're supposed to live our lives and treat one another, that it's really pointless until we put it into practice, and that's called wisdom. And when we understand our wisdom is actually to benefit the life of the world. So today it's about wonder. And I actually think this one could have been week two. That I think at the end of this, if we get a picture of what it means to wonder, to think about God's goodness, what it would not only do for us, but for those around us. Uh, my daughter and I, several years ago, we read the book Wonder. I don't know if any of you have read this. It's now a movie. I highly encourage you to see this movie, especially if you have uh, children of any age. Uh, it is an unbelievable movie, but it's about a, a young boy who's born with a, a, a face deformity. And it's just about his experience going to school and, and the way he's treated and bullies and the family dynamic and everything in this. And in the end, there's a couple of lines that really stick out in this. And one of them was when you have the chance to choose what it being right or being kind, choose kind. Right? But, but the mom at one point in the movie, and my allergies, man, they were kicking in hard uh, throughout this, uh, this whole movie. My wife and I are, you know, need some uh, allergy meds. Um, but, but there's this moment when, when the, the, the boy is talking to his mom. And he's talking about why is he so ugly. And, and, and it's just a powerful moment. But... But the mom comes to a point where she says, Augie, you are a wonder. You are a wonder. And what she's saying is, you are awe-inspiring to me. I'm amazed by you. That is what wonder means. And so what would it look like for us to get back to the point where we have a wonder for God? That we're in awe of God again. I think it's easy to lose, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. This is written by a guy named David. He's killed Goliath. If you, even if you haven't been in church, you've probably heard this story. Kills Goliath. He becomes uh, close with uh, the Israelite king Saul. At one point, however, 
Saul becomes jealous of David. David's kind of on the run and he gets into some places where he's in trouble and God comes through for him. And so God, David is writing this out of his experience. And what David doesn't say is, God is good to me. He's not just telling stories about what God has done for him. He is saying to the people who would have read it then and to you and me, you have to see it for yourself. You have to taste and see that the Lord is good. You have to experience it for your own life. You have to make a conscious decision to be involved. That it won't just happen. For many of you, and maybe you're at a point in your life, young adult, faith has always been your parents. Maybe you are, are older and you just remember always going to church. And if I asked you when you started going to church, you wouldn't even be able to remember because it was just a part of your life. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good for yourself? Or has it just been other people who have told you? Have you heard other people's stories about the goodness of God? Or have you tasted it for yourself? I can tell you, I stand up here every week and I can tell you about the goodness of God. But until you experience it for yourself, it doesn't matter. And some of you are in a place right now where you're like, I can't even think about the goodness of God. Right? Some of you just spent Thanksgiving for the first time without a loved one. This was the first holiday that you sat around a table and a parent or a grandparent, a good friend, they weren't there with you. So you've been experiencing pain over the last few days. Some of you are reminded once again of loss that there's a suffering that you're going through. There's a pain that you have experienced. There's job um, difficulties. There's just hard things that are going on in your life right now. And so for you to think God is good, that's hard maybe. But this is what I want you to hear me say. Our life circumstances, what is going on in your life and my life does not diminish the goodness of God. It doesn't diminish the goodness of God. It just puts on display our need to let him be our refuge. Right? So when you have those suffering, when you have pain, where do you turn to? Do you turn to someone else? Do you turn to a thing? Where, where do you turn to to find hope? Where do you find refuge? David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one, the man or woman who finds refuge in him. And so maybe right now, it's going to be difficult for you to think of the goodness of God, but I think this is where we have to return to wonder. We have to begin to experience an emotion. This wonder means to experience an emotion that's caused by awe, that we're amazed, that we're even surprised at the works of God. Now, why does this matter? In this series where we're talking about uh, for the life of the world, why does wonder matter? I think it's because when we lose our wonder, we, we lose the sense of our role in community. When we lose wonder, we, we forget who God is in our life. We forget what God has done in our lives. And I think this is how it often happens. Uh, we quickly make the world about us. We quickly make the world about us. Maybe, and I'm speaking to myself, maybe the world shouldn't all be about me. Maybe I'm not the center of the universe. M maybe the community's health, maybe the health of my neighbor's matters as much as my own health. Uh, we think about our purpose and we think about it being defined by success, right? There's phrases, life is short, play hard, right? Life is short, do what you want, when you want, experience the most that you can. 
uh, the person uh, with the most toys wins at the end, right? These are these ideas that my success is what my purpose is about, and we lose our wonder when we do that. And then I I was around my kids and my my nieces and and, uh, nephew these last couple days, and kids have wonder, uh, kids have imagination and what they're able to, to do, and something happens as we get older. Have you felt that? We, we, we forget about the dreams we once had. We, we listen to the negative voices more than we listen to the voice of God. And we lose our wonder as adults. And so we have to get our wonder back. And what would happen if we did? Three things. Three things that I think would happen if we could begin to wonder, to be in awe of who God is. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. We wonder at the goodness of God and it will lead us to a changed life. The wonder of God, the awe of God, our amazement of who God is and what he has done will lead to a changed life. Uh, what leads you to changed, a changed life? Sometimes it may be as difficulties. Some of you have felt guilt or shame and it has transformed you for a small time. Maybe you made some decisions because of a guilt that you had or the shame you experienced, but nothing lasting. Maybe pressure from others. Others expected you to do different, and so you you did different for a little bit, but then you've just gone back. Or maybe it's fear. Around this time every year, I start thinking about New Year's resolutions, and and now it's basically like, what do I want to fail at in 2018, right? Does anyone else feel feel the same? What what goal am I going to set just so I can fail at it over the next year? It changes hard. We've talked about that in the past. It's hard to change habits. How do we change our lives? I think it's when we wonder at the goodness of God. Something happens when we're drawn into who he is and what he's done. Just quickly, uh, we, we talk about these characters, these people in the Bible often. But, but if you read the gospel, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the life of Jesus is in encounters with people and his teachings. If you look at those encounters, the people who have these changed lives It comes because of the mercy and the goodness of God. Zacchaeus. uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He was a small guy uh, who was a tax collector, and he was hated. He was a chief tax collector. He was a thief. He was stealing from his own people to pay off those who held them in captivity. And he hears about Jesus. He hears about Jesus, and he wants to get to Jesus, but he's short, and he can't get to the front. And so he doesn't care about what anyone else thinks. He climbs a tree so he can see Jesus. Zacchaeus probably would have been at a point in his life where he had nobody. Nobody wanted to be with him. No one wanted to be around him. And Zacchaeus is in a tree, and Jesus walks by, and Jesus sees him. Like This is a, a theme throughout the scriptures, if you read it, this idea of Jesus seeing people. J- Jesus sees Zacchaeus. In verse 5 of Luke 19, it says this, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Man, there is so much to this. I could preach this scripture so many times. Zacchaeus in this moment is seen and he is known. And everyone else wants to call out all the, the things he's done wrong in his past. And Jesus knows those things. Jesus knows. He's not confused. He doesn't say, oh, I, I thought you were someone else. He, he knows the life of Zacchaeus and he says, I want to be with you. And then almost immediately there's this change in his life. He wants to give money to the poor. He wants to pay back those he 
stole from. There is a response to what God has done through Jesus. There is a transformation, immediate transformation that happens in Zacchaeus' life that he wants to do different. He wants to be different. It's not because Jesus condemns him. At some point in some of your lives, you may have felt fear. You may have sat in a church service and you may have felt fear. And so maybe you gave your life to to God. Um, But most of the time in the scriptures, it's the goodness of God that causes people to change. It is the goodness of Jesus. It's the mercy of Jesus that draws people to him. Let, listen to these words of, of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying, are you, are you tired of religion? Are you tired of checking the boxes to, to try and prove yourself to God? I don't know if you've heard this before or if you know this uh, idea, but, but most religion is this working ourselves back to God, right? God, look what I've done for you. Aren't you pleased with me? We, we try and do right so God will love us. But, but, but the, the religion that we are about, the, the, the relationship that we're about, the following Jesus kind of life is about what God has done for us. It's nothing to do with what we have done for him. There should be wonder in that. I don't know if you know this, but that is called good news, right? It is good news because there is bad news, that the bad news, we're in need of this, and we can't find it anywhere else, but the good news is Jesus provides all that we need. And so he says, look, if you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're tired of of religion, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, and you will find rest for your souls And then he says this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, A lot of times people teach this, and if you think of oxen and you think of the the piece of wood that goes between two ox is a yoke, right? And so together they're able to do more work than they were able to do on their own. And some think this is maybe what Jesus was talking about. But if you understand the context, the rabbis, the religious leaders in the time, their teaching was called a yoke. It was called a yoke. So as, as these rabbis would teach... It was the yoke that they were teaching, their yoke. And so when Jesus says that his yoke is easy, what he's saying is the teaching I have for you, the way of living life is easy. It is easy. It is not heavy. It is not a burden that you are to wear. It it, it is the yoke of loving God and loving people. And that is the gospel that Jesus preaches. And so he says, look, if you're struggling, if you're doubting, come to me. Come to Jesus. Find wonder in what he has done. In Isaiah 29, 14, uh, the hearers of this have grown uh, hard of heart. Uh, They're going through the motions of of faith. Maybe you feel like you've been at this place. They feel like they've lost God. They haven't felt God in a long time. They've really lost uh, themselves. But, But I want you to hear the response of God. Isaiah 29, starting in verse 13, it says this. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. They're really good at being religious. And God is calling them out on that. And we might think that God's gonna have something for them, that he's gonna be out for them. But listen to this, verse 14. It says, therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder, 
The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. What he's saying is, uh, you, you're, you're stuck in religion. You have lost your wonder. And so I'm going to surprise you again. I'm going to amaze you again. You're going to see miracle upon miracle again. And this is what's going to draw you back to me. The wise won't be able to explain it. Those who are intelligent about religion will disappear. Only those who get a sense of God's wonder will understand. They'll understand that it's God's goodness that makes us look different. Uh, Romans 2, 4, it says, God's kindness leads us to repentance. It's God's mercy that leads us to change, to look at our life and say, man, I wish things were different. And so if you take notes, just two, two quick things you might want to jot down. The, the first one's an easy one. Do you believe in the goodness of God? Do you? Do you believe that God is good, even in the midst of whatever you're going through? Is he still good? Have you tasted it for yourself? That while we were still sinners, while we were broken, that Christ died for us, that is good news. And then when we do this, this amazing love, we sing about this. It's one of the most well-known songs. Every time we sing that, we should have this wonder, this wonder to God's love for us. Has this amazing love of God changed you? Has it changed your life? Do you see yourself differently and do you see those around you differently as well? The second thing. So the first one is the wonder or the goodness of God. It leads us to a changed life. The next thing is having wonder at God's goodness draws us into worship. Uh, a few weeks ago, I went with uh, some friends uh, up to Green Bay. And Green Bay is one of those cities that if you said, I'm going to Green Bay, there's usually one response. Are you going to a Packers game? Uh, I don't know if you know the story of the Green Bay Packers, uh, but in the 50s, they were going to lose their team. And the community came together and basically said, we'll do a fundraiser to save the Packers. So it is not a person who owns the Packers. It is the people. The people own the Packers. And so in a town of only about 100,000 people on Sunday afternoons, there'll be 80,000 people who come to a Packers game. Uh, in spring training, the kids will come and they'll bring their bikes. And the players will choose a kid and they'll get on their bike and they'll ride to practice. Uh, when it snows, the community comes together and they shovel the stadium. There is a complete buy-in from the community for the Packers. And so I had a chance uh, a couple weeks ago to go to uh, the Packers-Detroit Lions Monday night football game, and it is a worship experience. It is. Uh, there are uh, monuments and statues to people who played. There are moments where you just get a sense of the awe that people have for the team, that they're amazed by them. Uh, it's just that the, the deity, the, the people that they're, they're worshiping, uh, happens to be a bunch of guys running around playing football. It's a name. It's a team. They are smashed. You are hugging and high-fiving people you don't know. that There is a sense of worship in that stadium, and you've experienced it with the Cardinals, uh, maybe the Blues, very few times with the Rams, um, but, uh, <laughs> but we, we get that sense of worship right? We are created to be people who worship. We are looking for someone or something to say, look, you are bigger than me and you can give me what I'm looking for. That the guy I was sitting next to, the Packers didn't win. And so the guy who was sitting next to was very loud in the beginning, yelling at the players. And as I just sat next to him, it was like, 
every bit of hope this guy had was on the field. The joy that this guy was experiencing was only going to come from the outcome of this game. I just felt that as I, as I heard his language, as he talked to his friends. Everything about him was about his Packers football team. And for us, as followers of Jesus, when we understand the goodness of who God is, when we find a wonder in that, when we're amazed by that, then it draws us into worship. There, there's an account in John 12. Uh, Mary, who, who maybe you know the story, Jesus uh, raises a man named Lazarus back to life. Uh, it's this lady named Mary's brother. And Mary comes to Jesus when Jesus shows up. And Mary is upset that Jesus wasn't there earlier. That if Jesus would have been there, her brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus gets to this moment where Jesus weeps. Jesus is there with Mary and Martha and the community of people, and he feels the pain of his people. And he has kindness, and he has compassion towards them, and he weeps with them. He weeps with them knowing he's going to raise Lazarus back to life. In the next chapter, that's in chapter 11, in chapter 12, we see this story where Jesus is with a group of people, and he's having a meal, and it says this woman, Mary, uh, comes in and takes a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she pours it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with this fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help him he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus' response, leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. In another translation, he says uh, that she has done something that is beautiful. See, what happens here is Mary sees the goodness of Jesus when Jesus comes and weeps with her. She feels the love of Jesus, and so her response is worship. What's really interesting about this, there's only a couple of times that this would happen. The only time a woman would pour perfume on a man would have been at a burial. They would anoint a body before a burial or the night of their wedding. And if you know this, and this is just a, a side note, if, you, if you've read the, the Bible and you've been around church, but Jesus is called the bridegroom. And so it's as if she is preparing Jesus for what's coming next. She knows something about Jesus, and her response is to worship To worship him. See, worship isn't just about singing, although it's easier to engage in that, and it's easier to sing uh, when, we, when we do that, uh, when, when we see the goodness of, of God. But really, it's about seeing our family as an opportunity to worship, our work as an opportunity to worship, justice as worship, implementing what we know, being wise as worship. When we see the goodness of God, we're able to worship. I just want to challenge you real quickly. Uh, next Sunday begins what's known as Advent. It's the season leading up to Christmas where we prepare ourselves. It, it's the, the word Advent it has to do with the arrival or the coming of Jesus. So can I just encourage you to do a couple things? Could I encourage you to worship? And I don't mean just come and sing. But, but could you carve some time out to be still? Um, just to pause, to be present with the people in your house, to be present with friends, right? The chaos has already begun. Uh, Friday, actually Thursday night, the chaos started. 
But, but could you just calm yourself? Could you understand that there is no gift you could buy that could satisfy someone else? There is nothing that you will open on December 25th that will meet the needs that you have. There is no hope, there is no joy that's going to come from any of that. That it only comes because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. So it's just Jesus. Right? Give gifts. We love to give. There's nothing wrong with that. But would you just understand in this season, it is an opportunity to understand what God has done, his goodness in sending Jesus to us. Finally, this allows us to enter into God's story. Understanding the goodness of God allows us to enter into his story. There's a story about a woman at a well who has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus, in this moment, knows this woman, offers her something, and she responds sarcastically. Jesus is offering her living water. She'll never thirst again. And she sarcastically responds, oh, oh, right, give me this water. And Jesus' response to her is to call her out for what she has done in her life. That, that he says, go find your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And, and Jesus responds, I know you've had several and the one you're with right now is not your husband. See, Jesus isn't doing this to condemn her. What Jesus is doing in this moment is to say, I know who you are. I see you. And I'm offering you something you could never give yourself. I'm offering you something that no one else could give you. I know you and I love you. I've said this before. Some of our greatest fears are to be known by someone and not be loved by them. Right? So we'd rather just someone love us who doesn't really know us. But deep down, what we really long for is people to know who we are, our faults, our struggles, and still love us. And that's what Jesus is doing in this moment for this woman. Uh, this woman comes early to the well because she doesn't want to be around other people. People know who she is, and so she comes alone. But that all changes. Her story changes. She runs back to these people who she's always avoided. She tells about the one who has said everything she's ever done. She admits, Jesus knows everything I've ever done and he still loves me. He is still offering me hope and joy and peace. Everything I've ever wanted, I have found the one who can give it to me. And then it's interesting, John 4. John 4, 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you've said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Taste and see that the Lord is good. She goes back and says, look, my life is forever changed. That was who I was. That was my story. I'm entering into a new story and I have to tell everyone about it. And when she does and other people hear about this, they want to enter into this new story as well. They want to taste and see that he is good on their own. And so I don't know what your story is. I don't know what your past has looked like. I don't know the mistakes that you've made. I don't know the hurt that you've experienced. But I do know that God wants to enter into your story. That he wants to enter into your story and he wants your future story to look different. That maybe the things of your past God will use in your future that those won't even be wasted, but, but it will be your testimony and your story to the goodness of God.